0: Welcome back to The Shaping of the Modern World. I'm Stephen Remy. I'm a professor of history at Brooklyn College of the City University of New York. This podcast series supports my course, The Shaping of the Modern World. Today we start in a Jamaican archive ten years ago. When Haiti declared independence in January 1804, the declaration came in the form of a speech delivered by one of the revolutionary leaders, Jean-Jacques Dessalines he gave the speech in the capital, (laughs) Port-au-Prince. Dessalines' speech was printed in limited numbers in the form of a small eight-page pamphlet. And then every known original copy was lost. Now, the text of the Declaration was not lost. Over the next 200 years, it was reprinted in newspapers and other venues. So we know that it existed, and we know Dessalines' exact words but we were missing an original copy from 1804. Then in March, 2010, an American graduate student from Duke University made an extraordinary discovery in a British archive in Jamaica, an original copy of Haiti's Declaration of Independence. This time, I think she should tell you the story. So follow the link on the assignment guide. This was a major discovery, not just for the nation of Haiti, but for the history of transatlantic revolts and revolutions that began in the late 1700s. Great Britain's North American colonies were first, and the result was the birth of the first independent nation state in the Western hemisphere. Then came the Great French Revolution. Then came Haiti in 1804, with the formal declaration of the Republic coming in 1806. And then, over the next decade or so, new nation-states in Latin America were born. So today, I want to focus on Haiti and Latin America. The Haitian Revolution was the third important Atlantic Region Revolution. What is today Haiti was then a French colony, Saint-Domingue. It was the richest colony in the Americas and possibly the richest colony in the world, and two-thirds of France's overseas investment went to this tiny colony. The wealth was generated by huge, white-owned sugar plantations that exploited an enormous population of slaves to produce the hugely profitable commodity. By the eve of the Revolution, there were around 500,000 slaves, around 40,000 white settlers and around 30,000 so-called free people of color, freed slaves and people of mixed ancestry. White plantation owners did not wish to settle in the colony permanently. What they wanted was to make a quick fortune and go back to France. So the pressure on slaves to produce was enormous. The conditions in which they worked and lived were atrocious the average life expectancy of a slave in this colony was 15 years. What that meant was that plantation owners had to be constantly replenishing the supply of slaves. Then came the catalyst, the outbreak of the French Revolution in the summer of 1789. Here was an instance of a rebellion combining simultaneously with a revolution. White and mixed-race plantation owners wanted independence from France, mainly to have total control over the production and trade in sugar. They thought that they could become even richer. At the same time, slaves took the motto of liberty, fraternity, and equality quite seriously. In 1791, they rose up against white plantation owners. They also fought off French forces sent to restore order but they also had to fight British and Spanish forces that were trying to take advantage of the crisis. Back in Paris in 1793, radical revolutionaries abolished slavery in France's colonies. The decision was inspired in part by idealism and in part by a desire to restore order and a form of French control but there was no way former slaves were going to give up control. Warfare continued when Napoleon attempted to restore slavery and sent French troops to the colony. They were defeated by a combination of Haitian forces led by a former slave toussaint L'Ouverture, and by disease, yellow fever. In January 1804, one of the most important revolutionary leaders, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, declared independence. The Haitian Revolution was highly significant at the time and long after. For one thing, it was the largest and most successful slave revolt in modern history. There had already been, and there would be many more, slave revolts in the Caribbean colonies. There, unlike North America, enslaved people vastly outnumbered whites. This demographic fact explains the brutality with which enslaved people were treated by whites who lived in a constant state of fear about the possibility of rebellion. And of course, the brutality helps explain the large number of revolts. Among all of them, only the revolt in Haiti was successful in the sense that it led to the end of slavery and the establishment of a republic. Second, Haiti was the first non-European state to gain independence from a European colonial power. Third, it sent shockwaves through the Western Hemisphere. What if the revolt spread? Now, you'll notice when you read the Haitian Declaration of Independence that Dessalines proclaimed that the new republic did not wish to interfere in others' affairs, though it is true that the Haitian government would contribute troops and money to some rebels in Latin America. Certainly, the Haitian Revolution and other slave revolts in the Caribbean fueled support among some whites for the emerging abolitionist movement. In this case, they were less inspired by ideals of liberty and equality, but terror at the prospect of slave revolts inspired by the Haitian rebels. Well, despite the victory of the slave rebellion, this is not a story with a particularly happy ending. Unlike the United States of America and Latin America, the Haitian Revolution did not leave the colonial, social, and economic system intact. The plantation system was, of course, dismantled. Land was redistributed, and the economy became based on small-scale farming and fishing. The price was that Haiti went from being the world's most economically viable colony to one of the world's poorest republics and to this day, Haiti is the poorest republic in the Americas. The slave revolt and the wars for independence took an environmental toll on Haiti from which it has never recovered. Sugarcane fields were scorched. Then, freed slaves rushed to stake out independent farms on the former plantations and in wooded areas. In both cases, the land was cleared out, and the new republic was almost totally deforested. A combination of land clearing and intensive cultivation depleted and eroded the soil. To this day, Haiti is 99% deforested and suffers from massive soil erosion. But Haiti's impoverishment also has to do with the hostility of France and the United States. The French government exacted a price for formal recognition of the new republic. In 1825, France demanded Haiti compensated for the loss of property, including human property. Paris sent warships to Port-au-Prince just to make the point. The bill was 150 million French francs, which translates to over $20 billion today. France did reduce the debt slightly, and the Haitian government finally paid it off. In 1947, If all that were not enough, Haiti was occupied by the United States from 1915 to 1934. U.S. officials had long been concerned about stability in Haiti. Mainly, they feared that a European state would take control. So during a period of instability in Haiti, during which the Haitian president was assassinated, American President Woodrow Wilson dispatched U.S. Marines to seize Port-au-Prince and restore order in the Republic. It was during the later presidency of Franklin Roosevelt that the occupation ended, as Roosevelt was trying to improve relations between the United States and Central and Latin America. Revolt in Latin America was similar in some ways to North America, France, and Haiti, but quite different in others. In Latin America, the roads to independence varied from colony to colony, Brazil, for instance, achieved independence from Portugal in 1821 without revolt or war or social revolution. Elsewhere, there was considerable violence. Ironically, local elites feared indigenous and slave rebellions and remained loyal to the Spanish and Portuguese crowns. But the wars of Napoleon Bonaparte changed everything and weakened the ties between Spain and Portugal and their colonies in Latin America. Colonial elites seized the opportunity to take control and declare independence. But the revolts in Latin America were more than revolts against colonial rulers. They turned into multiple conflicts between groups within the colonies. That is, between Indians, mestizos, which were people of indigenous and European ancestry, slaves, and native-born Americans or, excuse me, native-born Europeans. Merchants and land-owning elites wanted to maintain their control over land and slaves, while people in rural areas wanted land redistributed. In the end, there was no greater Latin American federation or social revolution. Local military officers who had led the fight against the Spanish formed alliances with landowners and established nation-states. Liberty from colonial rule had been achieved, but it came at the expense of broader political, economic, and social equality for poor, non-white, indigenous, and mixed populations. All four examples, North America, France, Haiti, and Latin America, highlight another important aspect of modern revolutions. That is the tension between changing a political system and broad-based social and economic change. The American Revolution resulted in radical political change. An imperial system of limited self-rule was replaced by an independent nation-state with a Republican form of government based on a strictly limited franchise and a new empire. But all this was not accompanied by a social revolution. Land and wealth were not redistributed. This was not necessarily a betrayal of revolutionary principles. But without question, the continued existence of slavery was a total betrayal of those principles. Similar to the North American model was Latin American independence, which also resulted in independent nation states and republican forms of government, but definitely no social revolution. The French and Haitian revolutions were both political and social revolutions. And of all four, Haiti was the most radical in terms of political and social change. Thanks for listening. Be well and take care of each other.